Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about why go to a summit, why come to our summit. James Carafano of the Heritage Foundation joins me to talk about Afghanistan and Marjorie Taylor Greene and in her terms, the communization of America. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. Welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I've mentioned on the show several times in recent weeks that America Can We Talk is sponsoring a summit in Dallas. It's on Saturday, September 18th. And I want to just tell you a little bit, spend the first five, tell you a little bit about why it really matters to come to a summit. I know that people are deeply concerned about many issues facing America. People are concerned about the border, uh, COVID policy, foreign policy, the weakness of the military. And people want to do something that matters. And I do get that. People want to say, I don't want to just come and sit and listen to a bunch of speakers because I'm already upset. I'm pretty well informed. So I don't think it's worth it to come to a summit. And I want to just explain to you why I think that it is. Number one, the quality of speakers we have. Every single speaker is spot on, actively involved in resolving the dangerous and concerning issues that face America. It's not an intellectual historical uh, thing. It is hands-on people who really understand the issues facing America. I remind again very very, very quickly, Gordon Chang. In fact, Matt the Wonderful can put up our slide. I'll remind you who the speakers are. So we have Gordon Chang, who is one of the premier national experts about China. He can tell you all about what China is trying to do in terms of its aggression around the world. He can talk about their role in Afghanistan, which we'll be asking Mr. Carafano about in a moment. He can talk about their interference in America's economy. He's And really, this goes to the fundamental point of my show in the summit, which is it is the job of every single patriot in, the, in, in America, every single patriot, to be on duty in your generation to preserve and protect the unique greatness of America. That includes preserving America's freedom. So Gordon Chang on China. We have three people talking about election integrity. The chair of the Arizona GOP, Dr. Kelly Ward, going to talk about the Arizona audit. We have two impossibly brilliant mathematical analytical types talking about the data in ways I swear you'll understand. Seth Keschel has joined me on the show before. His projections about the elections, very, very easy to understand and absolutely irrefutable, as is the information will be presented by Dr. Douglas Frank. Both of those individuals are not particularly political people. They're not big rah-rah either side of the aisle. They are rah-rah intellectual election integrity and telling the truth. You have those kind of people, hands-on type people. Dr. Robin Armstrong, who is from uh, Houston, and he's part of the America's Frontline Doctors talking COVID policy. We have the, the incredibly wonderful Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer, former head 
briefly of the U.S. Space Force removed from that position because he spoke truth about Marxism and America's military, removed from his position for speaking truth about Marxism there. We have Z. Van Fleet, that fabulous uh, mom from Virginia, who is a, was a Chinese native, lived under Mao Zedong, and she's telling school boards right to their faces, she's telling them, this CRT, critical race theory, this is Marxism. I recognize this. This is what Mao Zedong did to China. We have really hands-on, fabulous experts. I'm saying all this to say, this is an activist kind of summit, but I've asked each speaker to talk with you about what can I do about it? What are my bullet points to take away? What can I do when I go back to my community, my family, my tennis group, my church group, whatever it is, what can I bring and tell them? Because I love the idea of this summit being something that helps spread, as Samuel Adams said, brush fires of freedom, helps spread the idea that people have to be engaged and understand the issues. You can take that slide off and I'll quickly tell you a couple other things and wrap up the first five. Number one is this idea that part of what's happening in Washington, in today's Washington, is the effort to shut down political conversation on any issues the administration doesn't want people talking about. We need to be pushing back just on that. We need to be reaffirming our right to free speech and free assembly, having conversations that matter, listening to each other, and standing up for that idea in America. Secondly, nothing replaces, nothing replaces human interaction. Nothing replaces listening to speakers, meeting them because they'll be there all day. They'll be there at our happy hour afterward, which is going to be a lot of fun. They'll be there. You can talk to them. It's human interaction. And plus, when you look around a room, you see, wow, other people are concerned too. I'm not the only one. I, th To me, that feeling of being at a conference where I'm getting the message that the... Um, the people that I'm hearing from are listening to me. I'm talking to them. Nothing replaces that in terms of activity. So um, I want to just make that pitch about going to uh, coming to our summit again, September 18th on our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. You go to that website on the homepage. You hit members at the top of the homepage. Up pops a little happy picture of the slide of our speakers. You click that button and you can get tickets to attend. You can get tickets to sponsor. We are so happy about the, the uh, pace at which we're selling tickets. But I'd love to have people, even outside of Texas, come and join us. We have speakers from around the country. Last year at our summit, we had people from around the country. Love to have them again. And I want to make this pitch because I'm telling you, being part of these kinds of things, being part of these kinds of things are part of the way that you help you feel like you're engaged in the American political conversation. You're engaged and involved in saving America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. I mentioned at the start of the show that we have a guest joining us. He's joined us in the past, uh, and I'm so glad he was available today. He's been writing a lot at the Heritage Foundation about the situation in Afghanistan, which, of course, everyone's been talking about. We have Dr. James Carafano joining us, uh, and I'll tell you very briefly his resume. He's uh, he's a vice president of the Catherine Shelby Cullum Davis Institute for National Security at the Heritage Foundation, widely recognized leading expert around the country in national security and foreign policy challenges. Um, he's an accomplished historian, he's a teacher, he's a writer. Um, he's also, um, I, I could tell you a whole bunch of things, editor of a book series, The Changing Face of War. He's also a 25-year Army veteran with a master's and doctor from Georgetown University. I always got to make the plug, the, the most important education he has is Georgetown. Okay, leave that aside, it's my law school. Uh, but he, he joined Heritage in 2003 as a senior research fellow, um, and he's just been a dynamic, dynamic and 
deeply well-informed advocate for understanding American foreign policy. And, the, and today we want to talk about the impact uh, of the recent hasty exit uh, by America's troops out of Afghanistan. So welcome to the show, James Carafano. Hello, sir. Hey, well, thanks for having me. And your conference sounds amazing. A lot of great friends there, especially Gordon Chang. Gordon and I have shared the stage so many times. He is so knowledgeable on China and yeah. really can explain things in a, in a way that he just he's just this river of common sense. So lucky to have him. And it sounds like a terrific, terrific event. Thank you. I, I like that river of common sense. I'm going to try to remember that. That's a great expression because he really is. And on every topic you hear him talk about recently, of course, he's been questioned about what's happening uh, with respect to China's role in Afghanistan, given what's happened. So but I want to back up before we get to China and all that and start with your columns. First of all, for our listeners, all of your columns that relate to Afghanistan are listed on our website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage under shows, drop down list of links, I've linked to all of them. I really want to dive in because with your understanding about the world uh, and Afghanistan, I'm going to ask Matt the wonderful, one more quick favor, Matt, I sent you a map that shows where Afghanistan is. Can you just put that up for like 10 seconds? I just want to show this and then ask you this first question. Uh, did I say any of that map? I think I did. Maybe not. Yeah, okay. I just want to make this point to our happy friends. Because honestly, people, you know, a lot of people don't know where Afghanistan is. And I'm not saying I'm some expert, but you can look at the countries it's surrounded by. Iran, Pakistan, Turkmenistan. I can't read the other one. Tajikistan, China. And I want to just, uh, you know, there are many avenues to go on. Okay, I just want people to see that map. And Kabul, obviously the capital. So in Afghanistan, we are talking about the people who are trying to flee the people in Afghanistan who helped American troops, I just wanted, this is a little bit off the wall, but do we really have to bring all of the refugees who can escape from Afghanistan to America? Or isn't there an argument that some of them, especially the ones who've been helpful to us, could be placed in surrounding Islamic countries? Or is that unreasonable? Well, there's a question about what's the number that we're talking about here. So the only place people get out of the country is Kabul at the airport. To get through the airport, you have to go through um, Taliban control checkpoints. There's only one airstrip. You can only take out a couple of thousand people a day. By some estimates, there's over 10,000 Americans in and around Kabul. There's many other friends and allies. For example, I know there's at least 10,000 Germans. And then there's the the all the Afghans who work with the United States and their families who are trying to escape pregnant women, small children. That that number might be a hundred thousand, oh. and that uh, even if the Taliban permissively allows everybody to go there, which we don't know if they actually will do, it, it this is an issue that's going to be plaguing us for days and weeks. Some people are already in in other countries um, around the area. One of the problems with that is that. The Taliban has been asking those countries to send them back. If they go back, they will certainly die. If they stay in those countries, those countries will be at odds with the new Taliban government. So those countries are actually trying to move those people to other countries. But to your point, everybody doesn't need to come here. You know, the United States is the most generous planet on the earth when it comes to refugees. We take more refugees than anybody else. Um, all the free world should share in trying to deal with a, a legitimate refugee crisis like Afghanistan. You know, having said that, the United States, I think, does have an obligation 
to help the families and that 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 work with the United States and risk their lives for us. Um, and I'm sure we're gonna we'll do that. We could have been a lot more organized. It's completely chaotic, and our government has been incredibly inept at this. But uh, it is important, and I think the rest of the world is watching. If we don't take care of our own citizens, and if we don't take care of people that fought and and bled with us, uh, it's to our shame. Uh, I know people are concerned. Well, how do we know who these people are? Actually, the odds are these these people can can actually be vetted very well. Everybody that worked with the Americans, we took their biometrics. We have all that in a database. I, I've actually been engaging with a lot of people trying to help people get what's called the SIV visas and get out. Um, a, a lot of these people knew this day was coming, so they've massed incredible documentation demonstrating who they are, that they work with the United States, that they're employed by the U.S. government, photographs with U.S. officials. So I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Uh, we have a completely open border in which tens of millions of people could Ill walk into the United States, uh, particularly if we pass these amnesty bills that Biden wants. That's a much graver national security risk right now. Um, but that's the current current situation. And then here's the deal as the Taliban can stop this anytime they want uh, and literally hold all those thousands of people hostage. And, and we would have a, a hostage crisis that dwarfed Iran hostage rescue. So we're all on pins and needles. And this is a crisis that's going to be in the news and play out in days and weeks. And there's going to be some tragedy involved, I'm sure. Oh, yes, I'm sure, as you've been saying, the various stories, that the description of what's occurring to some people still in Afghanistan already, Afghans who were cooperating with American forces, uh, women who don't comply with what they're supposed to comply with. But let me just back up. This is about my first question. So, of course, President Biden's receiving a great deal of criticism for the haste with which America engaged in his withdrawal and the chaos that was created. He tried President Biden in his speech tried to say essentially that it was President Trump's fault because President Trump had committed prior to his leaving office that the American troops would be out by May 1st. So Biden tried to act like he was saddled with that. What could I do that was stuck on me? Is it fair for President Biden to blame President Trump for the present chaos in Afghanistan? Well, no, because um, Trump's negotiations were condition based. The, the Taliban never met any of those conditions, so they already violated all those agreements. So the United States would have been well within its rights not not to do that. Uh, and again, the Trump plan was always turn over. They would go province by province, make sure it was military secure, politically integrated, and then move on to the next. There was never a plan to just walk away in the dead of night and just abandon Afghanistan. That was Biden's decision. And, you know, I want, about that being Biden's decision, part of, of the many things people are concerned about is the signal it sends about whether or not the Biden administration is going to be serious and tough in foreign policy or whether we have sent a signal, unfortunately, to not just the Taliban, but other Islamic jihadists around the world that we're not really going to fight too well. And so I want to ask you how dangerous is that or is it is it fair to say that what biden has done is sent a dangerous signal not just to taliban but to other islamic terror groups yeah i, I think it's worth worth unpacking how, how did this happen because it does say a lot so when president biden came in office he absolutely convinced himself that the taliban were going to attack and drive the americans into the sea he totally believed that even though the intelligence the military that's not what they told him that's what he believed. And he did not want to be the guy who is president, like watching the helicopters leave the roof in Saigon. 
So the president, over the over the warnings of his military intelligence, decided we were going to leave. And here's what he was thinking. He was thinking, look, I'm gifting the country to the Taliban. I, and and certainly what they're going to do is allow me to leave. And then they'll invade later. And so the United States will gone. So I can just say, well, hey, it's not my fault. And so they consciously didn't have a plan to get the Americans out, to get the equipment out, to get the Afghans out. They just basically weren't going to pick up in the middle of the night and run away. Well, the Taliban aren't stupid. Of course, they were going to humiliate. They wanted the world to see that, the, that they pushed the United States out. So they consciously stepped up and humiliated the United States going out the door. Of course, they would do that. It's important to them to do that, to send a symbol of power. Biden was completely unprepared for that. And, and they are literally deer in the headlights trying to deal with this ongoing crisis that they have. And they can't deal with it on the ground and they can't deal with it politically. The president basically went on the air and said, everything I did was correct and, and I and none of this is my fault. That's all demonstrably false. So the president has created a political crisis for himself, a crisis of credibility. At the same time, he has a real crisis on the ground. Now, why, why is that sequence important? This is not a rookie mistake made by an inexperienced team that had never run anything before. This is not Jimmy Carter coming to Washington not knowing he's doing. This is probably the most experienced foreign policy team that we have had in history. Everybody, including the president, were in the Obama administration for eight years. It's all the same people. They went through Iraq and ISIS, uh, Syria and the red line, Libya and Afghanistan, and, uh, uh, and uh, Benghazi. So they've had multiple crises, so they have a lot of experience, and yet they made this tragic failure because they do everything the same way every time. They always seek the path of weakness, accommodation, and the easy thing for them, and they think they can just walk away, and because they walk away, the bad guys are going to cut them a break, and invariably the bad guys come after them and smack them in the butt, and then they are clueless on how to deal with it. That's why we got Benghazi. It's how we wound up with the ISIS caliphate. It's how we wound up with the genocide in Syria. And we see the exact same thing here. So when people say, how could this happen? My answer to that is, how could you expect it not to happen? How could you put the same people in government who always do things the same way and expect a different result? And to answer your question, does this put us in more danger? Look, if you are Iran or North Korea or Afghanistan or Al Qaeda or China, you know exactly the weaknesses of this administration because they demonstrate them over and over and over again. It's the same playbook. So they know exactly what Biden's going to do and how he's going to react. Of course, they're going to take advantage of that the way they took advantage of of, uh, of Obama. So, yeah, we are we are in for troubled times ahead over and apart this actual crisis. Everybody else in the world is know how to deal with Biden because in the end, they believe that he is weak and he is a coward. And they know how to exploit that. Well, weak and coward are that pretty good descriptions. I want to, you probably saw this story, but China, which is, I, I would say, America's number one international nemesis. I mean, maybe you say Russia is somewhere close, but China is the one with all sorts of dangerous uh, goals for becoming the, uh, the one world leader. China has already been mocking America through their own media, their uh, state-run Global Times, uh, they actually describe the Taliban falling as Taliban's rapid victory embarrasses U.S., smashes image, 
comma, arrogance. And they also sent a message through the same outlet, through the Chinese Communist Party's Global Times, a warning to Taiwan, basically saying, uh, look, understand, don't even think about standing up to us because America won't defend you. Isn't that all on Biden? I mean, that, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually, it's, a, it's actually where worse than that. Yeah, it's a clear propaganda victory for China. There's no question about that. And the best propaganda is propaganda that's actually true. Biden looked feckless and cowardly, unprepared, and couldn't lead. So the Chinese are actually just reporting what actually happened. But, but it's far more dangerous than a propaganda victory. Biden may have gifted Afghanistan to China. The, yep. the Chinese are going to work with the Taliban. They don't care if they're rapists and murderers or whatever. And they will go in. They will do business with the Taliban. They will create a land bridge to Iran, which is part of their Belt and Road. Biden will do the Iran deal and open up the Iranian economy. China will have an economic corridor that they completely control. They'll make trillions of dollars off of this going right into Western Europe. Uh, Afghanistan has vast untapped mineral resources. China will go in and they'll gobble up all of those things. And of course, they'll completely outflank India. Uh, and uh, it, you know, in a few years, China basically could be controlling South Asia. Biden just created this massive geostrategic crisis by the way he left Afghanistan. Uh, yes, I, I'm glad you said every word of that. It is the most astonishing. And people, you know, on our side, or the Russians, people who are conservative, who want America to be strong and free and safe, and, and doesn't mean we want America to be a nation builder around the world, but we want America to be at least a presence in the world, signifying, a, sending a message to the dangerous, aggressive uh, forces in the world that America is, at, is watching you and you don't know how far you're going to go. So at this point, I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't know how to ask the question or how to articulate it, but the frustration is how could uh, Biden, who was under Obama, was in the Obama-Biden administration, saw all those failures occur that you just recounted under their mindset that kind of, to me, it's almost like a mindset that says they can't perceive evil exists. They don't really think the bad guys are really be bad. They're just, and so they just, I mean, I mean, can it really be as innocent as you're saying? Or I want to ask you, there are some commentators making the argument that Biden just folded uh, based on, in Afghanistan based on pressure from China. Is there any basis for that view? No, I actually think it's just because he's incompetent. And, and here's here's the reason why I think this keeps happening over and over again. They're never held accountable. Obama was never held accountable for Benghazi. They don't expect to be challenged. They don't expect to be questioned. They don't expect to be criticized. I mean, Twitter has banned Trump, but not the Taliban. Yeah. So people actually cooperate them in creating an environment where you're not allowed to criticize the Biden administration. And and they're and that makes them fundamentally lazy. They think they can get away with it, and when they can't, they try making excuses, and then they hope people either forget or the thing drags out and they move on. Let me tell you how unserious they are about this crisis. The vice president of the United States goes to work about nine or nine forty-five every morning, and we know that because we we know we know when her her motorcade leaves. For the White House, she didn't. She didn't work all weekend. She didn't go in the office all weekend. The Vice President of the United States, at the height of the greatest 
crisis since the fall of Saigon, and it's something that's as strategically cataclysmic as the Cuban Missile Crisis. The Vice President of the United States didn't ran bankers hours. I have talked to embassies and governments around the world. They have been burning the lines, calling Washington about this crisis. And to a person, they tell me, nobody answers the phone. Nobody has answers. Nobody. So this government, in the height of this, could you imagine if during Katrina, which was maybe the darkest hour of the Bush administration, if, if, if during Katrina, President Bush just went on vacation and, and the White House press just office just shut down over the weekend. So even, even at this crisis, which is literally destroying their presidency and American prestige around the world underneath their feet, they're, they're, they're working like this is just, just Wednesday. I got to jump in tight. I sent Matt, this is a very short clip of the uh, um, President Biden's National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, being asked about this. Well, who, this is a real quick clip if Matt can play that. Okay, two questions for you. One, has the president spoken to any other world leaders since Kabul fell to the Taliban? Sorry, I was looking at the wrong person. Uh, he has not uh, yet spoken with any other world leaders. I, I mean, it's what you're saying, but it's flabbergasting. The notion that you have America's allies now, well, they, they probably knew when Biden came in, America was going to change and be feckless, even though Biden tried to say America's back. Yeah. But that answer, he hasn't talked to anyone. And what accounts for that? I want you to explain him. <laughs> well, uh, th this this is this is a, this is the way this administration does business. It's it's all rhetoric and very little substance. You know, Obama did this all the time. He would make these lofty speeches, but he hardly ever talked to allies. Uh, this is the way they do business and. And what is, and I guess this is the real issue, you know, even beyond foreign policy, getting domestic policy, and this is the real plan. Because our government is really run by a bunch of unelected people who are Obama people and radical leftists in government, and the, and the cabinet's just a bunch of lemmings, and, and, the, and the president's just an incompetent decision maker, just being honest here. In a normal government, in normal administration, particularly in the first year, when everything was going wrong, inflation, the border, COVID, crime, Afghanistan, I mean, when all these things are going wrong, you think an administration would panic. They would start changing policies, firing people, making speeches, run around showing that they're being, they would do everything possible to show the American voters they were gonna stop failing them and they were gonna, they were gonna get on these problems. This administration's done exactly the opposite, whether it's an unsecured border or runaway inflation, they've just doubled down on their policies. And I think the reason for that is, is they're not a normal administration. And I, I do think this goes back to bills like HR1 and HR4, where they think they can control the federal election systems to make sure that they just get reelected. And they're not right. really accountable to the voters, right? They secure power and they keep it and they're not accountable to the voters. And it's more important that they stay focused on that agenda, pushing through amnesty, pushing through trillions of dollars of program that allows us to owe the economy, pushing through voter, 
That is way more important. That's all that really matters. Because if they screw everything else up, it doesn't matter because they'll just get reelected anyway. So they're not, it's not a normal government. I, I'm glad you're saying all this. I could not agree more. I think we are watching the destruction of America before our very eyes and policy after policy after policy. I want to ask you, should Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and or Chairman Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, Milley, Mark Milley, should they be fired because of this? And if they were fired, would it make any difference? Well, I, I, want, to, I want to be very, very clear here. When you want to say who's responsible for this catastrophe, because it is, it's a catastrophe in, in, in a number of different ways, not, and not just the refugees and the failures, the resurgence of global terrorism, the, the rise of China, the I mean, so many different ways this is a failure. These are decisions that the president of the United States the United States made. So fundamentally, it wouldn't matter who the staff was, the president made bad decisions. But I gotta tell you, this is the least capable staff I've ever seen. These are either lemmings like Austin, who's just a rubber stamp, or Blinken is just a, or they're, they're basically just staffers, like Jake Sullivan. And Blinken was just oh, Biden's you know, defense advisor on his Senate staff. They have they have very little life experience, very little real capability. Um, or you have radical leftists who don't who don't care about America. They're they're focused on the agenda. We have a the, the the UN ambassador is more focused on the radical agenda of demonizing America and, uh, for for being a racist nation than they are about doing business with the UN. This they're all incompetent. I I, I would fire all of them. Okay, so okay, so that, this is, I mean, this is very helpful because I agree with your assessment. The entire team is put together with the mindset of the left, which is we're going to consolidate power, we're going to assure future power, we're going to have control of the economy, the election system, and we're really at the same time compromising the very sovereignty of America by abandoning our southern border. I mean, these are such in-your-face destructive, as I've been saying in my show, things you would not do if you were trying very hard to hold on to the unique greatness of America, to, pr to protect the sovereignty of America. You wouldn't do any of these things. And so if you could, if you got put in charge, I mean, what at this point, given the disaster, the catastrophe in Afghanistan, you know, what could America do if they suddenly had foreign policymakers who were trying to get things right? Well, I mean, in Afghanistan, there's three things. First of all, you've got to get everybody out. You've got to get the refugees out. And so you would spend 24-7 working the phones, working everything you possibly could to get as many people out as quickly as you can. That's that's just job one. Job two is terrorism. Um, I don't know anybody who doesn't believe that Afghanistan is going to become a sanctuary for terrorists. That's where 9-11 was planned. It's where the next 9-11 will be planned. Uh, and the the Taliban victory is being already being held up worldwide as a rallying cry for Islamist terrorists to rise up and attack America again. 30 days ago, we had almost no transnational terrorism problem. In a few months, we, we could be have a, something like back to where we were 20 years ago. So I would be lightning focused on dealing with global terrorism. And I got to tell you, this administration is not right now. They have the Department of Homeland Security more focused on demonizing and persecuting Trump voters and conservatives than they do on tracking down terrorists. Uh, and then the third thing is, is you got to deal with the you got to deal with the powers that matter. You you have to 
counter Chinese influence in 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 in, um, in Afghanistan. You have to deal with Russia. You have to deal with Iran. Uh, so yeah, there, uh, so two things is one is Biden made everything harder. I mean, I know people didn't want to be there and they didn't want a uh, fight, but the but what we did made everything we're trying to do to protect American safety and freedoms and prosperity harder. It's just a fact. So, and now you have these crises of, we have to deal with the refugees, we have to deal with the terrorists, we have to deal with China. These are things that simply have to get done. So there, there's no use crying over history because we can't fix the bad things that happen. But there are so many more bad things that are gonna happen in front of us. We've gotta get laser focused on that. And this administration, they're going to be hammered by these issues every day. The problems of Afghanistan are going to haunt this administration through their entire term. And on top of that, we have inflation and crime and an open border. But here's the thing is right now, all they care about, they don't care about people dying in Afghanistan. They don't care about America being humiliated. All they care about is they've got about $4 trillion of spending that they want to get past. And it has every leftist dream thing in the world from amnesty for illegal aliens to everybody's on food stamps and that they want to get that passed because that will enable them to control the country and right now for them that's all that matters james carafano i couldn't agree with you more and i actually i keep on wondering where are the and maybe there aren't any left where are the allegedly semi-moderate democrats in the House, in the Senate, or around the country, governors around the country, where are the people who can see what Biden is doing, how incompetent they are, are they don't exist? They're all on with the left-wing agenda. They are silenced because they're afraid of losing their jobs. They are afraid. I mean, I do, I, I recognize most of the, the Democrat, the core, the cabal that runs the Democrat Party has simply embraced, it's one level or another, has embraced this Marxist goal that they have. But where are the sane ones? They don't exist or they're just too afraid well, to know, speak? I think, you know, I think everyday Americans get this. I mean, if you look at the polls, Republican, Democrat, moderates, independents, Hispanic, black Americans, they don't like open borders. They don't like mass amnesty. They don't like uh, inflation. They don't like weak job growth. They don't like critical race theory. They don't like indoctrination over education in our schools. They don't like being humiliated abroad. They don't like being lied to by their president. Uh, they, they worry about the rise of China. Everyday Americans really get this. Uh, and, you know, I, and, and to me, what's happened is that even as the administration fails, it's actually made them more committed to their radical agenda because they know that's their only lifeline. I'm sorry. The leftists are more committed to their radical agenda. Because that's the all they have. Because they actually know if we had, you know, free and fair elections, everyday Americans are hate what they're doing. Moderate Democrats, you know, reasonable people, they're they don't like this. Do, do you think do you think they really want their party to be the champion of American decline, anti-Semitism uh, and uh, and the and the abolition of America as we know it? Do you think people really want that? So why would they do that? Because you know, they, they can't stand up to the radicals in their own party. Um, so look, you know, but we have two sets of problems here. Um, one is there is a real opportunity for Republicans and Democrats to come together because foreign policy does end at the water's edge. And we can all debate critical race theory and open borders and everything else. But the reality is, is 
is we should all care about defeating China. We should all care about defeating terrorism. So there's a space here where all of us can come together, Republican, Democrat, the House and the Senate, and say, look, Biden, let's, we can debate forever who's responsible for this, but we need to work together to push back against these. I think there is space to, for that to happen. Uh, and I hope they do do that. But the problem is, is at, as soon as they try, all the Biden guys are going to want to do is talking about, no, none of that matters because we have to spend $4 trillion in spending in these two massive bills and give amnesty to illegals and do all these other programs. And, and they will fight Americans from actually dealing with the issues at hand. You know, much in the way there's a judge that tried to order them to secure the border and, and, they, and they have the, the attorney general trying to overturn the judge's order, like forcing them to do their job. So I think Americans, Republicans and Democrats would want to come together to deal with the Afghan crisis. But it's the Biden administration, which I think is much more concerned about their, their power agenda than, than they are at the crisis. And they actually see the crisis as a distraction because how else do you explain the fact that they don't answer the phone? Nobody's there. They really don't have a plan. And they see completely lackadaisical about this. They can't even answer basic fundamental questions in the White House briefing. They cannot. James Carafano, you know what? You're touching on so many issues. We're actually going to turn to those in the show next, talking about um, the whole, the massive spending bills and what that really would, if they ever passed, what's really in them. The infrastructure is not infrastructure. The uh, big trillion, whatever it is, $3.5 trillion budget is just Green New Deal and steroids. I mean, the whole thing is just a, it's so frightening and so overwhelming. And I, I, I was a little bit rhetorical to ask you that question about are there any sane Democrats left? Because I don't think that anyone on the American left in power dares interfere with the agenda. And so I, I think they all just let it roll. And I do actually think, I, I've been saying for a long time, we are not a 50-50 nation. We're a 60-40 or maybe 70-30. Most people don't like what's happening. They don't like the abandonment of the border. They obviously don't like what occurred in Afghanistan. They don't like the massive spending irresponsible bill. They don't like repression of freedom. But they're worried and, and they're worried about the idea they're never going to have an election where they get to actually choose their government. That's what the people are worried about, that we can't we can't fix it. And this gets America to the edge of a crisis. I'll let you close out in response to that. No, are I, we in your crisis? I, I agree with you. I mean, it's an issue that we work a lot on the Heritage Foundation. We have a huge database on voter fraud. I think every issue is, is a side issue, even Afghanistan, compared to the integrity of the vote, American vote. Voter integrity is the single most important issue to Americans today beyond anything else. Everything's fixable if we get to elect our leaders. And, and everything is never going to be fixed if leaders are not held accountable. Amen to that. James Carafano, it was great talking with you. Thank you for being available to talk to us and for all your great writing. Again, I encourage our listeners to go to the Heritage Foundation website. Just put in James Carafano Heritage and up a little pop. You can read his great writing about where we are. Um, I appreciate your analysis and um, I'm glad you're there fighting. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Okay, friends, I want to tell you, I heard from a friend uh, who's, uh, is, I don't normally share these kind of things, but a friend who is working with, familiar with an organization called the Nazarene Fund. And they have on the ground military troops, uh, military planes and officials available to get into Afghanistan and help to rescue the Afghan, the, the American people who are stuck there, who are stuck in Afghanistan. The minimum number of Americans now stuck in Afghanistan can't get out, can't get to the Kabul airport, 
Taliban's blocking the roads and shooting people if you try to get to the airport. These people are thinking they can get in and actually help rescue people there. Uh, it appears that Glenn Beck did a little blurb about this this morning. I want to mention it also. Check out their work at thenazarenefund.org. thenazarenefund.org. They are talking about Afghan people and Americans trapped in Afghanistan, going to be killed by the Taliban otherwise. And these folks, uh, this group, Nazarene Fund, going to try to help them. You can go to thenazarenefund.org and check out their work and see if you want to support their doing that. I want to ask, before I turn my last topic, there are a couple of things I had about Afghanistan I want to quick ask Matthew Wonderful to show. Uh, one is just a clip. It was a notice sent. Uh, it's, it's not a video. It's just a notice sent uh, to people after the fall of Afghanistan, which was completely avoidable and completely orchestrated and, and enabled by the Biden administration. Uh, People had the opportunity, if they were there, to quick go online or register. Yeah, I'm stuck here. I'm in XYZ. Here's who I am. Here's how many people in my house. They got to register. So I want to show you the notice that the uh, government sent to them. To American citizens, thank you for registering your request to be evacuated from Afghanistan. The U.S. Embassy in Afghanistan has confirmed that an undefined number of U.S. government-provided flights will begin soon. Please make your way to Hamid Karzai International Airport which, to be clear, nobody can go there because the Taliban kills you and you get in the roads to go there uh, at this time. Please be advised the United States government cannot guarantee your security as you make this trip. Imagine you agreed to serve your country in Afghanistan. That's enough. I just wanted you to see that notice. This is what the American government puts out to its own citizens stuck in Afghanistan. Hey, guys, sorry about that. You know, we can't guarantee your safety. I mean, I didn't, you know, Heritage Foundation is a, you know, is a nonpartisan organization and they're very, very focused on policies. This is a disaster, uh, whatever word you want to call it, does not begin to capture not just the uh, political responsibility and the military responsibility America holds what's occurring there, the humanitarian responsibility. This is a catastrophic caving by our country of our role in the world, to which we have held for decades because we are America the great, the strong, the free. We have held this for a long time, and now we are in a position where it appears that we have our enemies mocking us, our allies, we're not even talking to them. It, it is the most absurd situation America could be in. And James Carafano is very, when he's saying, well, you know, it's incompetence it's incompetence at the very, very least. Many people concerned is far more than incompetence, is in fact perhaps pressure by the Chinese on who completely own and control President Biden, and everyone knows this. So is it pressure by the Chinese on the um, uh, on Biden to say, you're going to get out there because we're going to get in. You're just hearing James Carafano talking about all the things China can now do, is planning on doing, will do, because there are no American troops uh, doing anything to possibly even protect uh, the people of Afghanistan. China's going to roll in. We're being made fools of. So there's concern that there's that pressure on China. There's also, uh, by China, on Biden, there's also concern, uh, even at this tremendously horrific hour where literally innocent women are being raped and killed, innocent girls being kidnapped in Afghanistan, put into the sex trade, uh, become sex slaves. 
in the, in the way that Taliban conducts itself, uh, people who cooperate with America and were interpreters being horrifically tortured. And this is a president who, as you're hearing, went back to vacation. Then he came in back in, you know, to give a little speech, went back home to his vacation, came back. This is the most lackadaisical, astonishingly, you can't even say poor policy. It is absolute uh, disdain for complete lack of concern, of humanity, of compassion for the impact of the decision Biden made to pull our troops out overnight. In fact, I was reading this morning, the, the military official, the Afghani military official who is in charge of the airport at Kabul was not even warned that America was evacuating. He literally found out by watching America evacuate. He was not even told. So we have a, just a, a you know, adolescent, cavalier, uh, uh, you know, feckless. These are the best things you can say about the Biden administration's conduct in Afghanistan. We have left innocence to the slaughter in Afghanistan because of the way we chose to exit and nobody owns this except the Biden team and whoever is ruling over there. Okay, one other quick thing on this story that I have one a story I want to get to. Um, but very quickly, uh, no, in fact, I'm around time for my other story. I want to play for you um, a clip. Marjorie, my last, I'm gonna hit my last story, I guess. I gotta, I gotta give in and try to stay within my time thing. Um, I, there was a, um, a little ad Marjorie Taylor Greene did. And I just called this MTG Communization of America. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a member of Congress, Republican member of Congress, very, very outspoken, very, uh, you know, uh, among the most, not just conservative, but outspoken, strong, plain speaking members of Congress. And she's talking about, well, we're all worried about Afghanistan, which we should be worried about Afghanistan. We should be deeply condemning what occurred in Afghanistan, which is is at the feet and owned by the Biden administration and the Kamala Harris VP who cruises into work at 9.30 or 10 in the morning, like you heard James Carafano say, banker's hours. But you have, in addition to that utter disaster in Afghanistan, you have this monstrosity of two bills rolling through Congress, two bills rolling through Congress. One is just the alleged infrastructure bill, 1.2, trillion T as in Tea Party, 1.2 trillion just on infrastructure or that just in the infrastructure bill is not an infrastructure. It is all about the um, it's all about the Green New Deal, a very small portion of it actually deals with infrastructure. And you have separate from that the 3.5 trillion uh, spending bill, the proposed spending bill that is now making its way through Congress. I want you to hear what Marjorie Taylor Greene has to say about both of those things right here. This is Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, and I approve this message so that you know the facts. 19 cowardly Senate Republicans joined Chuck Schumer and the Senate Democrats to pass a so-called infrastructure bill that's really the first step in Biden's communization of America. Now it goes to the House where Republicans need to stay united and stop this bill. Now Democrats are tying this to the $3.5 trillion budget full of woke identity politics and AOC's pro-China Green New Deal. These America last bills will usher in amnesty for illegals, higher taxes, skyrocketing inflation, and destroy American energy independence. It's all a lie. 
The infrastructure bill just isn't infrastructure, and the budget passes the Green New Deal. It's time for Republicans to stay united, stand strong, and vote no. The progressives are pushing her to do so, has tied the two bills together. The $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill is tied together with the $3.5 trillion budget. Now, here is what's critical to understand. Number one, that infrastructure bill should have never passed in the House. The Republican senators in the in the I'm sorry, in the Senate that sold America out by passing that infrastructure bill are to blame. So it should have never happened in the first place. It's not infrastructure. It is a launching pad for the Green New Deal. And the Green New Deal has so much bad in it, it will forever change America's economy and we will never recover. Because don't forget everyone, every single time the government passes a law and creates a program, it never undoes it. So once this starts to happen, there's no turning back. This is also why Nancy Pelosi is making this her legacy. She knows that she will no longer be speaker very soon. And so she is pushing through this agenda, which will lead us down the road to communism and America will change forever. The single bravest member of the United States Congress, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm pretty much out of time today. I'm gonna turn to why it matters in just a moment, but I wanna pull together and tell you why I played that clip. In the past few shows, several weeks, I've been trying to talk to you about the idea that if you are just simply listening to what is happening in Washington or in your state, and you're listening issue by issue, and you're thinking, well, the border is kind of a really bad thing. We should fix the border. And why can't everyone see we shouldn't have an open border? And the spending bills that she's describing, I'll say more about in a second, but the spending bills are completely out of control, irrational, you know, monopoly money level, ridiculous, irresponsible. Uh, those policies, COVID policy, you have COVID in America with the 99% survival rate for almost everybody You have efficacious treatments available, and yet COVID is being used as a, a, as a weapon against the American people to tell you when you can leave your homes, all sorts of talk about new conversations about COVID passports and whether you should be allowed to go to your job if you don't have a vaccination, vaccination mandates, mask mandates, even though everyone informed has been telling us masks don't do anything. You have the left, my point is this, you have the left intentionally creating tumult, chaos and outrage. It's intentional. When you begin to grasp this point, it's intentional to create chaos, to abandon the border, to abandon policing, to defund police, to the rising crime rates, to allow homelessness to go out of control with no control at all, to let people out of jail who are criminals and don't belong on the streets, to treat Americans as though they are small children and the government can tell them where they can go to work today, Everything that government is doing, using COVID as a vehicle to inflict tyranny, abandoning the border, all of that is part, to use Marjorie Taylor Greene's term, of the communization of America. What she's describing of these spending bills is just another battlefront. It's another battlefront and the left's war against freedom in America, war against America the free. When you have spending bills of that magnitude, and even in the infrastructure bill, most of it has nothing at all to do with traditional infrastructure. It's just 
all of the spending that people want to do that they've had as their, as their goal in the American left, part of the Green New Deal, uh, all sorts of dependency creation. This is intentional destruction of America. Once you grasp that, you are more than ever determined and committed to be in the fight for America. Another small piece of that, we didn't even get time to go in detail today. Another small piece of that is that when President Biden came into office, he immediately not only ended the Keystone Pipeline, which was one of the many ways in which America would have a, an abundant supply of oil available uh, moving forward for our people so we can have you know, reasonably priced gasoline, we have energy in our homes to heat our homes, to cool our homes, we have energy like a modern civilized society should have. The Biden team has been chipping away at, it's not just that one pipeline that they uh, stopped. The Biden administration had has, and this is especially as it relates to Alaska, the Alaska governor has been just trying to, you know, jump out of his chair saying, number one, no one in the Biden administration will even return my calls. They have. The Biden administration has just kneecapped the energy industry in Alaska halted logging plans in the state Southeast Tongass National Forest, barred federal land releases to native veterans who want to, to use them, shut down oil and gas operations on the North Slope of Anwar and as it, as it shops overseas for fuel. And my, this is what I'll close at this point about what I'm saying about this is the, we're watching the intentional destruction of America. Gas prices are shooting up because America is not producing the oil they should be. And they're not producing because the government is stopping them. And you saw recently Joe Biden reach out to OPEC nations, President Biden, and said, hey, you know, could you guys like kick up your production because gas is getting expensive over here. People are complaining. And they, they just laughed at him. I mean, the OPEC nations just laughed at him. Well, you're not going to do that to humor you. You have a president who is not making policy decisions with a goal of protecting and preserving America or with a goal of protecting, taking care of the American people. You have a president who's making decisions and, and a whole other category, the absolute weakening and destruction of America's military. This is what we have a president actively doing. As you heard James Carafano talking a few minutes ago, we have an, an American president who's not even responding or dealing with the reality of this horrific crisis caused in Afghanistan by him. By him, not by anybody else, not by Trump, not by trying to blame the Afghan people, caused by President Biden, feckless, irresponsible, barely taking responsibility, not even talking to our allies, just, just, I mean, this, these are not the actions of a person, a president, committed to the presidency of America, committed to preserving and protecting America's freedom, committed to protecting the American people. This is a president who is making decisions on a whole long laundry list of issues you would only make if your primary mission is the destruction of America. I don't mean killing every American citizen. I mean, destroying the freedom of the American people, destroying the constitutional republic, destroying the fabric of America, the spending bills that Marjorie Taylor Greene is talking about, create all sorts of massive increased dependency, something every Marxist looks for and tries to bring every day is, can we make more and more people weak and helpless, take away their self-reliant spirit, 
make them reliant on government. This is what the Biden team is doing. Nothing less. Do not delude yourselves that they have a good mission, too, of taking care of America, looking out for the American people. They're just going at it differently. That is not true. It is not true. They are working for the destruction of America. And so if you care about things like this, number one, go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and on the home page, do several things. Click on the subscribe button, get my free once a week newsletter, comes out on Friday or Saturday, free weekly newsletter. I never share my email list, but I do send a weekly newsletter. Number two, on that website, consider joining America Can We Talk. At the top of the page, you can join. You hit members and up pops join. You click on join. You can join America Can We Talk and you can join for $5 a month or $50 a year practically nothing and what that gets you is access to our members only thursday shows tomorrow's members only thursday show you can only watch on our website americacanwetalk.org only watch it on the website and on the website on thursdays when you go there once you join they'll tell you how to watch the show tomorrow my guest is going to be lieutenant general rod bishop he is a retired air force general and when he finishes telling you how the critical race theory, social justice warrior, anti-American mindset has invaded and poisoned the American military academies, you simply will not believe it. So I urge you to join. Another thing, do on our homepage, join. I also urge you to take a look at our summit on September 18th at the homepage again, americacanwetalk.org. On the homepage, hit events, summit. In fact, on the homepage is that lovely flyer with our speakers. Click on the button that says to buy tickets and you can go there and find out how you can join us on September 18th in Dallas. Becoming informed is a way, is a means of becoming part of the solution instead of just watching the absolute destruction of America at the hands of the anti-American Marxist left, which has now taken power in Washington. One last thing before I go to why it matters to you. I am going to do my show tomorrow, my Thursday show, and we're taking, I'm taking one week vacation. So I'll be back on air with you on Monday, August 30th. Monday, August 30th, and then we are back on track for the rest of the year. But I'm taking next week off to enjoy our family and friends out here in California. I'm going to take one last week, one week of vacation. So I am not going anywhere long term, just taking a week off. I hope you'll join. You can watch the show tomorrow, and I'll see you again on Monday, August 30th. And now, Matt the Wonderful will show you what the, why the, the stories we talked about today matter to you. And so we talked about why come to the summit. Our summit, Women for Freedom, September 18th. Tickets available at events.americacanwetalk.org. Americans need to face need face-to-face -face interaction with leaders who see the big picture. They must feel the blessing of the right to assemble and confer about their country. America is running out of time for full awakening. Invite the apolitical. Invite your friends who aren't so political about their country uh, to learn and get engaged. Revolutionary War hero Samuel Adams instinctively knew the importance of summits. It does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. America is in peril in 2021. The ideals of America can 
be restored and reinvigorated, but only if the American people rally and get engaged. Join us on September 18th for the America Can We Talk Summit. And we also talked about Marjorie Taylor Greene and her, and also the Alaska governor's warning on the communization of America. Marjorie Taylor Greene is wildly underestimated. She's tough, smart, and plain spoken, denouncing GOP support of Pelosi's 1.2 trillion infrastructure in quotes, because it is not infrastructure, and the 3.5 trillion additional spending. Spending at these levels is unconscionable, irresponsible, bankrupting, and they know it. It is intentional to be bankrupting, not about infrastructure, and no one from the GOP should be so stupid as not to see through to the larger agenda. Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy also standing up. Americans, especially the poorest, are suffering from rising energy and gasoline prices, yet Biden administration is doing nothing to close off or shut down trillions of U.S. energy production supplies in Alaska. I'm sorry, the Biden administration is doing everything to close off, shut down the trillions of U.S. energy production supplies in Alaska. Afghan abandonment, COVID lockdowns, border elimination, military evisceration, spending into oblivion, CRT indoctrination, and the designation of those who dare to question the government as domestic terrorists, which you've been talking about in the show, it's appalling in America this could be occurring. You need, my friends, to connect the dots. These are not unrelated. This is the agenda of a Marxist overthrow. Americans must wake up and peacefully, peacefully resist now. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday to America Can We Talk. I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?